Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Give Jesus a shout. Hallelujah. We bless you. Thank you so much for every gift and every giver in Jesus' name. You ready to get in the Word this morning? I said, are you ready to get in the Word this morning? Now, we have a lot of first-time guests here. Would you, Hope Unlimited, tell our first-time guests how glad we are to have them here? So very honored that uh, you are here with us this morning. And if when you came in, you received a Connect card. That's the black card that you received when you came in. If you'd fill that out and drop it off at Guest Central on your way out today, we got a free gift we'd like to bless you with. We're not going to call you. We're not going to show up at your house. You're not going to get an email saying, you know, where you been last three weeks, nothing like that. We're not going to hassle you, but we just want to know that you're here. Drop that off at Guest Central on your way out. we got a free gift we'd like to bless you with. And let me say one more thing to the church. When we get into the Word of God, we don't just sit idly by and listen to some person drawn on and on about something that has no bearing in our life. We believe that the Word of God demands a response and that when God's Word is being preached, we latch hold of it by faith. Can I get a witness from somebody? Are you ready to get in the Word of God this morning? All right. Grab your Bible. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Thank you, Will. That's good, brother. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I I grew up in church. Uh, Brandon, can you turn me up a little bit more on the monitors up here? Thank you. I grew up in church, so I have set through countless uh, Easter services and saw everybody in their, you know, their once a year Easter outfit doing what they do. And then I ain't even almost going to try to go out to eat after service today. It's unbelievable. I'm going home and making a frozen pizza. Glory to God. The devil is a liar. I'll go out to eat tomorrow. <laughs> and, uh, but Easter has always been interesting to me because a lot of times whenever I hear people talk about the meaning of Easter, I don't think they really know what they're talking about. I, 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 I'll get on that in just a second. Let me read this to you. First Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 12 records these words. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how do some say among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? Everybody say resurrection. But if there be no resurrection from the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Yes, we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. If Christ is not raised, you in trouble. Amen. Your faith is in vain, and you are still in your sin. Does anybody believe Jesus got up? And if you be not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sin. Then they also which are fallen asleep, they in trouble too. Verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead. Glory to God. Watch this. And he's become the first fruits of all of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection from the dead. Watch verse 22. For in Adam all died, 
even so in the second Adam all shall be made alive. For every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, and afterwards those that are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, and when he has put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. I'm going to read two more verses. Charlie, put that up there, verse 27. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he said all things are put under him, it is manifest that he's accepted which put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject to the Father that he put all things under, that God may be all in all. Amen. Now, I uh, I told you I've been to a lot of Easter services, and I we normally preach Easter in one of two ways. This will be the typical, traditional, uh, pr- the the way we approach Easter, the way we preach about it. You'll have somebody up preaching, talking about the only way that we know that Jesus is the real Savior, the real God, is because he's the one that got up, and Buddha's still in the grave. Ha! Glory to God. And Hare Krishna's still in the grave. Glory to God. And Muhammad, they start they start labeling off all these gods. They don't even, they can't even pronounce half of them. You know what I'm saying? They all dead, but Jesus is still alive. I saw a thing on Facebook the other day. I saw a meme on Facebook that had Jesus' open tomb in a graveyard and had all these other gods. And it was like, glory to God. We know Jesus got up. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I agree with that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jesus is the one that was resurrected from the dead besides everybody else. I praise God that he was resurrected from the dead. We believe in the resurrection from the dead. So that's normally how we preach it. Then every once in a while, you'll stumble upon one or two preachers that will take it a little bit deeper beyond that Jesus got up. Glory to God. He's the real God because he got up and he didn't stay in the grave and the grave couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't stop him. Death wasn't enough. He got up. Y'all don't know about it. Y'all don't know about it. That great getting up morning, glory to God. When you put on your Sunday go to meeting clothes, he got up. Y'all don't know. Y'all ain't ready for it. Y'all ain't ready for it. Too many white folks in here. Y'all ain't ready for that. <laughs> y'all don't. Y'all don't know me. So, a lot of times the preachers take a little bit different and say, "When Jesus got up, not only did Jesus get up, you got up too." And everybody, Jesus got up, glory. We don't know what that means, but whoo, glory to God, Jesus got up. Hallelujah, praise God, Jesus got up. And he got up from the dead. And when, I, when he died, I died in him. Hallelujah, and I believe it. When he died, we died. And the Bible says that it is important that every man wants to die, and I did die in Jesus. And then when Jesus was resurrected, I was resurrected in the newness of life with Jesus. Glory to God. But we really don't go any further than that. And then we just shout over the fact that Jesus got up, Buddha didn't. And then that we vaguely somehow come to terms with the fact that Jesus got up and we got up in Jesus. That's what the Bible means when it says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. And we stop right there. And that is not what the resurrection is about at all. Can I go a little bit deeper? You have to understand how your Bible is constructed. You have to understand how the Bible is woven together. The Bible is not 66 books with numerous authors divided up into Old and New Testaments. The Bible is actually one book written by one author named the Holy Ghost who is telling one story. And whenever you wade through the pages of the New Testament, you will hear these echoes. You will hear these allusions. You will hear these these faint uh, these faint echoes back to things 
things that happened all the way in the Old Covenant. Let me give you an example. When you read about Jesus standing on the Mount of Olives in the book of Acts chapter number 1, your Bible says that he was taken up from them into heaven. His disciples are standing there, and he's taken up from them into heaven, and then he sends his spirit down to them. Where do we see that again? Where do we see a picture like that? you got to go all the way back to the Old Testament. you gotta, you got to thumb through the Old Testament and figure out where do I see that? Where do I see that similar picture? I, rem- I remember a story in the Old Testament where there was a prophet by the name of Elijah, and he had a son named Elisha. And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, if you see me when I'm taken up, then you can have a double portion of everything that's on me. That's the story that Jesus is connecting to when he gets into Acts chapter number one, and he's ascended to heaven, and then he sends down his spirit, just like Elijah sent his mantle onto Elisha, and Elisha did double what Elijah did. Now Jesus is sending the Holy Ghost to his disciples, and he said, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. That's how the Bible is put together. That's how the Bible is, 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 is it's woven all throughout the tapestry of the text. It's woven all throughout. That's what that's what you see when, when Adam in the Bible, when he gets cursed, your Bible says that God speak when he falls and he gets cursed. Your Bible says that God declares over him, the ground's not going to yield forth her fruit to you anymore. The only thing the ground's going to yield to you is it's going to bring forth thorns. Remember that? Where do I see thorns again? Where, I remember Jesus talking to about a parable where a seed was sown among thorns. There's certainly something there. But then I remember when Jesus was on the cross, he had a crown. What was he wearing? A crown made of? What is he doing? He is hearkening all the way back to the curse on the first Adam, and he's telling the first Adam, I'm the second Adam, and now I'm moving the I'm removing the curse that was imposed by your sin, and now I'm removing the curse because of my righteousness. Oh, glory to God. In the book of Deuteronomy, God said, if my people are disobedient, the heavens will become brass up over the top of their head. But if you remember when Jesus went down to the river of Jordan and he was baptized by John, your Bible says that he came out and the heavens were opened because the Bible is all trying to fit together. It's all, it's all one book. It's, it's all one story. It's, your Bible says that the, the high priest in the Old Testament, that when he was offering sacrifices in the tabernacle, that he could never sit down because the work was never done. There was no chair in the tabernacle. Your Bible even said it specifically. It said that the high priest had to stand every day and offer the same sacrifices that could never take away sin. But when Jesus offered himself, your Bible said that he went to heaven. And what was the first thing he did he sat down at the right hand of the father why because the work of redemption was fully finally forever completed oh glory to god the bible is absolutely amazing it's all one book it's all one story i could keep i could i could do this all day long here you want to keep going a little bit further you keep going a little bit further if you remember over in the old covenant when the first adam failed he was kicked out of the garden right boom kicked out he was kicked out. And the Bible says he was kicked out of the Garden of Eden. He went eastward in Eden. And that when he went eastward in Eden, God put a flaming cherubim with a sword garden, guarding Eden. So that is the first time, that's the first mention. I ain't got time to talk to you about that. That's the first mention of when we hear a flaming cherubim. That's the first mention of a cherubim in the scripture. When Adam is kicked out of the garden and a cherubim is set to guard the way to the tree of life. Where do we hear about cherubims again? I remember when we get over into the, into the book of Exodus, God tells Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle. And I want you to put in that tabernacle, I want you to put in there an ark. I want you to put it in the holy of holies. What is he doing? He's painting the picture, the same tree of life that was in the garden of Eden. Now I'm going to give you access 
access to it again. It's going to be in the Holy of Holies, but I'm going to put a veil in front of it. Do you know what he had to sew in that veil? He had to sew the picture of a cherubim because it is carkening all the way. It's an echo from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 when Adam fell. Y'all with me this morning? It's an echo from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 when Adam fell and God installed a cherubim to protect the way of the tree of life. Now God's created a tabernacle and he's installed a cherubim in the veil so man can't get to the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus resurrects from the dead and we hear about a veil ripping in two, it wasn't just significant that the veil ripped in two. It was significant because the cherubim had now been removed and we had been given access back to the tree of life. The Bible is absolutely amazing. That's how you have to read it. There's, there's a, there's a three-stranded cord all through there. You read, you read about Exodus. You read about Israel being captive in Exodus. And so they go down to the water of, they go down to the Red Sea. And then they go into the Red Sea. Then they come up through the Red Sea. And Paul even said that we are baptized in Moses. What? He's drawing, he's drawing on the picture of the Red Sea. He's saying when you get baptized in water, the same way Moses went down to the water, death, the same way Moses went into the water, burial, and the same way Moses came out of the water, resurrection. He said that's what happens when you get baptized. You go into your death. You go into your burial. And then you go into your re- resurrection. Hallelujah. And as a matter of fact, God told Moses when he came up out of the water, he said these enemies that's been chasing you, they will chase you no more. Oh, glory to God. That's what the cross is. It is the death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible is one book. Have I convinced you yet? Can I give you another one? I'm going to anyway. Over in the Old Covenant, your Bible said this. They said, every seven days, Israel gets a Sabbath. Right? Every seven days, Israel is given a Sabbath of rest. Every seven weeks, on the seventh week, it is now the Feast of Pentecost. The seventh day was Sabbath. The seventh week was Pentecost. You with me? This isn't in there by accident. If I had time, we would take you to the book of Revelation and start taking out the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven vials and the seven days and laying them against each other, but we don't have time to do that. Seventh week is Pentecost. The seventh month is the Feast of Tabernacles. Then he said, every seventh year, I'm going to give you a year off. Tell you, them Jews had it made. Don't work for a year. Still getting paid. As a matter of fact, if you're an Israelite, when you got married, you got the whole next year off. Everybody be getting married. Got a year off, you know, so they could pray together. So they could decorate the house together. So every seven days is a Sabbath. Every seven, every seventh week is Pentecost. The seventh month is Tabernacles. The seventh year is a Sabbath year. The whole year is at rest. But then there was something else that God instituted in Israel called Jubilee. And it was every, the seventh times seven years, 40 and nine years. Every 49th year, on the 50th year, you had a Jubilee. So seven days, y'all with me? Seven days, seventh week, seventh month, seventh year, seventh times seventh year. Uh, uh, y'all okay? I, I hope I'm not losing you. I'll lose you. I'll lose you even if you know your Bible real good. I'll lose you. Seven times seven years. Now it's a jubilee. The jubilee year was when every debt was forgiven and every slave was free. So 
if you could just hold on for 49 years and just pay the minimum payment on the credit card, on the 50th year, it would go away. Them Jews had it made, boy. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So seventh day was the seventh. Seventh week was Pentecost. Seventh month was tabernacle. Seventh year was a year of rest. Seven times seven years was jubilee. And they declared jubilee throughout the land. And all the slaves were set free. And all the deaths were forgiven. And it was a brand new year. And everybody got to start over. It is all one picture, one picture. But then I remember reading something. I remember reading something over in the book of Daniel when he gives a prophecy. And he says the Messiah is going to show up not seven times 70 years, but 70 times seven years, not 49 years from now but 490 years from now Daniel is prophesying of the ultimate jubilee because on a regular Israel jubilee I forgave you of your debt and you forgave me of my debt but 490 years later he's saying the jubilee of all of jubilees is going to show up guess how long it was from Daniel's prophecy to the time Jesus showed up in Jerusalem it was 490 years because he is the ultimate jubilee who is Finally, forever forgiven our debts. Oh, glory to God. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. He said in the Greek, he said, tetelestai. You know what that means? It means paid in full. If you were an Israelite listening to Jesus declare paid in full, you knew exactly what was going on. This is Jubilee language. Slaves are being set free, not from their earthly captors, but from a demonic captor. Slaves are being set free. Oh, and debts are being forgiven. Not some money that I borrowed from you, but the debt that I owe to God has been paid in full. Can somebody give Jesus a shout? Hallelujah. Y'all be like, paid in full. And we sold our house this week. I got on there just to check. I pulled up the account, put in my login information, and it said loan status. Da, 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 da. Paid in full. Which means even if I sent them money, they'd send it back. And that's the kind of God that we preach, as a matter of fact. We preach a God. Listen, we have an idea of God that he is an eternal bill collector. Always calling you up, wanting to know, where's your prayer life at? Where's your study life at? Where's your tithing life at? You've been witnessing. You've been serving. You've been, and Jesus said, none of that stuff you have to do to be made righteous because tetelestai, it is finished. I already paid your debt. No, no. Hey, that's my introduction. Point number one, here it comes. The telestai. You get that. That's a tat, get that tattooed somewhere. You don't even know how to spell it. It's fine. I'm sure your tattoo artist can sound it out. To telestai, it is finished. It means that when you see the bill, boom, it's been stamped, paid in full. You don't owe anything. We could go down that road and mess, mess with you. As a matter of fact, David said this. He said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputes righteousness without works. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. This is what he's saying. There are two accounts. Jesus had an account of righteousness, and you had an account of sin. Blessed is the man 
who has righteousness imputed without works. Meaning all of the righteousness that Jesus accomplished, God erased his name and wrote your name over it. And that all of the sin and rebellion that you accomplished, God erased your name and wrote Jesus' name over it. That's why the Bible says he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what Easter's about. Tetelestai, it's been paid in full. You don't have to do anything to be made righteous and you will not be one bit more righteous when you get to heaven than you are right now sitting in that seat you with me now we get over into first corinthians and paul is throwing out this kind of language talking about resurrection 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 and we already know the bible is all woven together it's all one story it's all one idea it's all one overarching overarching theme it's all telling one thing it's all pointing to one thing and we understand if you get into the book of genesis you will read when god created the heavens and the earth right and god created the heavens and the earth earth that form void dark on face face of the deep. spirit of god moved upon the face of the waters god said let there be light and there was light and god saw the light that it was good it was god he created his creation and he declared it is good And then Satan comes, enters the garden through the serpent, and Satan knows if I can take what God loves, which is man, and fill it with what God hates, which is sin, when he comes to see what he loves, he will see what he hates. And when he comes to destroy what he hates, he will end up destroying what he loves. You with me? So God has this creation and the creation has now been perverted. It's been thrown off its axis. God's entire plan looks like it's been flipped upside down all because of Adam's sin. You with me? You with me? Hang in here. So to the first century Jew, the time that Jesus was preaching and ministering, they all understood this concept. They actually all had a grasp. They all had their arms around the idea of resurrection from the dead. This is what they believed. There's going to be a great resurrection at the end of time where everybody comes back to life again and God makes all things new. They knew that creation had been perverted all the way from Adam, but God's going to make it all right and he's going to make it through the, make it right through the resurrection. Hang in here with me. I want you to get at this point, this is the this is the essence of Easter. The, the people knew, they, they knew, the people Jesus was teaching and the people Jesus was talking to, they knew, yes, we believe in a resurrection. We believe that everybody's going to be raised from the dead and it's going to happen at the last day. It's going to happen at the last day. Now, in your Bible, there is a difference between being raised from the dead and being resurrected. That's not the same idea. Okay, Being raised from the dead means you die in your old body and you came back to life in your old body. Being resurrected means you died in your old body, and when you came back to life, you had your new body. That's what happened when Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected. That's why when he came back out of the tomb, he looked at Mary, and he said, don't touch me. Because I've got my new body and I've got to go ascend before the Father. Are you with me? Hang in here with me. So they knew that creation has is, is been broken. Creation has been ravaged. Creation. That's why Romans says that all of creation is groaning and travailing for redemption. Or one translation says all of creation is waiting on tiptoe, waiting for God to finally act and bring his work of redemption. And they knew. You remember the story of, of Lazarus? You remember when Jesus walks up, to Lazarus, walks up to Mary and Martha and he says, if you will believe me, he will be be risen from the dead and they said this they said Lord we know he's going to raise from the dead at the last day 
And you know what Jesus said to him? I am the resurrection. You're waiting for him to die and come back to life in a new body at the last day. But I am the resurrection. This is what Jesus is saying to them. When God makes all things new, it is not waiting for the end of time. When Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected, new creation finally launched, and that's where you and I find ourselves right smack in the middle of. No, 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 you ain't getting it. Let, 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 let me say this again. God made his creation. His creation fell. God has to remake it. You with me? God has to remake the earth. God has, that's why it says that the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Wherein dwells, there you go, it's perfect. So he's saying all of creation is waiting for God to make all things new. They're waiting for this great grand day at the end of time where God makes all things new. And Jesus says, what are you waiting on? Because when I was resurrected from the dead, that was God beginning to make all things new again. That was God starting to unravel the curse that happened through Adam. And now you and me find ourselves right smack in the middle of the greatest assignment we could ever we could ever we could ever follow or embrace, and that is God remaking the earth and turning it new through us. You ever you not ever wonder why when Jesus died and was resurrected and he gets up, well, the first thing that Mary thought when she saw him, you know what she thought? The Bible says that she thought he was a gardener. Now, where, where, where do we hear that language? Who, who was the first gardener? Who was the first gardener? God told Adam, I want to put you in a garden, and I want you to dress it, and I want you to keep it. And now Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and she said, you're the gardener, and he didn't correct her because now he was the second Adam. He was the new gardener over a new Eden. Over a new heaven and a new, y'all looking at me sideways. This is what I came to tell you, that God wants to God wants to make things right in the earth through me and through you. That's why every time you feed a hungry child, that's the kingdom coming to bear in the earth. That's why every time you put your arm around somebody that's discouraged and you encourage them, that's the kingdom coming to earth. Whenever Jesus would heal the sick and cleanse the leper and raise the dead and cast out devils, that was him breaking into old creation with new creation, saying, I came to make everything be put back together the way it's supposed to be. Glory to God. Jesus didn't just heal people because he had nothing to do on a Saturday. Jesus was healing people because old creation was being consumed with new creation. That's what he means when he says death will be swallowed up in victory. Mortality will be swallowed up in immortality. You ain't never heard an Easter sermon like this, have you? He got up. He got up. I'm believing, I'm with you, brother. I'm believing God for a ham and B3 organ. Preach you into a fit. Make you take your shoes off, just have to walk around. Glory to God. Jesus is wiping blindness out of Bartimaeus' eyes. Not because he wants, not just because he's moved with compassion and wants Bartimaeus to see, but because old creation is broken. And now I'm the new Adam bringing a new creation and I'm making everything right again. And then Jesus, Jesus goes up and he raises a boy from the dead. Why? Not because his mama's grieving, but because in new creation, there is no death. Wiping the tears out of people's eyes. Why? Because in new creation, there are no tears. 
That's what he means over in the book of Revelation when he said there'll be no more sighing or crying or pain. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about the new earth. That's why he said when you get ready to pray, start praying like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In Knoxville as it is in heaven. God, make Knoxville look like heaven. There ain't no homeless people in heaven. There ain't no sick kids in heaven. There is no divorce in heaven. There is no discouragement in heaven. God, in Knoxville, as it is in heaven, will somebody give Jesus a shout? Hallelujah. Lord, teach us to pray. All right. Heaven, come. Will of God be done in the earth. That's why you matter. That's why we need you plugged in. That's why you cannot be a once a month church goer. We've got to make all things right. There is brokenness that needs healed. There is hopelessness that needs healed. There are people that have been through some stuff that make your toes curl up on the end and they're looking for somebody to break into old creation and make all things new. Believe me when I tell you, he can make your marriage new. It might even be your third marriage. He can make it new. I need need one or two Christians that believe it with me. I had a buddy, I got a dear pastor friend of mine down in Alabama. He called me two weeks ago and said, brother, you better pray. I got to report it that there was some cancer behind my eye. I said, the devil is our kingdom of God. Come, will of God be done. There is no cancer in heaven. We rebuke old creation and we impose the new creation. He called me back two days ago and said, there ain't nothing going on behind. Because in Alabama as it is in heaven, in Knoxville, in West Knoxville as it is in heaven, in these high schools as it is in heaven, in these middle, I need somebody to agree with me, in these middle schools as it is in heaven, in all of the churches around here as it is in there ain't no religious devils in heaven. In these churches as it is in heaven, in this church as it is in heaven. Stand up on your feet. I'm supposed to let you out early because it's Easter. That's what Jesus meant. But right before he died on the cross, stand up on your feet, stand up with me. Right before he died on the cross, he looks at his disciples. You remember what he said? Behold, I make all things new. This is what he was telling them. When I die and I'm buried and I come back to life, that launches my new creation project where now the hurting can be healed. That's what he meant in Luke 4 when he said, the spirit of God's on because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The only good news to a poor man is that you ain't got to be poor anymore. 
I came to preach the gospel to the poor. And I came to say, it ain't got to be like this. I came to heal. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, this is what Jesus said. I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to deliver the captives. To set at liberty them that are bruised. And then you know what the last part is? Watch this. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Do you know what he said? I came to preach jubilee. Because every slave is now free. You follow Jesus' ministry. They were always looking for Jesus to deliver them from Rome. But instead, he was going around casting out devils, delivering them from Satan. Saying, I came to deliver you from the real oppressor. <laughs> Behold, I make all things new. He can make your kids new. He can make your mind new. I used to work with drug addicts, people strung out, people that took so much drug, they would take so many drugs just to get up in the morning to brush their teeth. If you took it right now, you'd drop over dead. And I've seen the ravages of the curse. I've seen the brokenness, and you have too, of old creation. And now here we are, Easter, sent by God so that the old will be swallowed up in the new. This is what Jesus is saying. The Easter that I went through personally, this is what Jesus is saying, the Easter that I went through personally, death, burial, and resurrection where the old was made new, he said, that's what I want the whole world to go through, where all things are made right. There's a song where, where I believe we're learning this song. We've talked about it. There's a line in a song I wish I could sing. I'd sing it for you. But it just says this. It says, God, you make wrong things right. No, 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 no. You make wrong things right. That stress that's been gripping you, that pressure that keeps you awake at night, he makes wrong things things. Oh, hallelujah. Watching your children make decisions that break your heart. I'm telling you, he can make wrong things right. Does anybody believe it with me this morning? Brandon, I want you to go get ready to go into that song. This is what we're going to do this morning. I've been preaching about new creation. I've been preaching about these big eschatological concepts and theological ideas about old creation being remade through Easter and now the new creation project has launched and we as the church are active agents imposing the kingdom of God. The church is the mechanism by which the kingdom of God comes to earth. When you go to the projects and you hug a little boy that ain't got a daddy, that's not meaningless. When you tell a little girl that's not your daughter that you've seen for the first time in the projects and you look at her and say, you're beautiful and you're a princess, that's not meaningless. That's old creation. Be consumed by new creation. That's why as long as we have 
church members that are weekend warriors. Give God 90 minutes on Sunday. And forget that all week long there's brokenness and devastation and pain all around us. People searching, looking, desperate, hungry for hope. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.